It's a lot of ball, no scores. Hawkins from the boundary throw in. We know how good he is, and he kicks the first goal in the 2022 Grand Final. Chris Gordon, the All-Australian boundary umpire, throws it back in. Once again, Hawkins with an inside-out slider. He is brilliant at this. Selwood. Now Smith again. Isaac Smith, two in a row. Dangerfield comes through with strength, gets it to Stengel. Another one, Katz. Knocked down to Selwood, wouldn't it be great? Got it working the right way. The skipper, the hero, the superstar. What a moment. Cats fans, stand up to your full height and celebrate this champion team that has delivered you your 10th premiership. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats, perhaps an episode unlike any other flawless victory obtained. My name is Jake and I'm joined in the virtual studio by Sambo and Johnny, two lads, two chaps, who I was privileged to be joined with uh, in person yesterday to bask in the great triumph, the great footy triumph of the 21st century. How are you, chaps? Uh, still still just in a moment of utter bliss and just satisfaction. Yes. It has been all day since the siren went yesterday. It's just been a perpetual mood of just happiness. This morning I woke up and I was going to watch some college football and i was like oh i'll watch the replay of the grand final i'll watch this and i was like i don't need to that will be there forever that will be there anytime i want it i'm gonna go out it was a beautiful day and i went out into the garden snipping and i was raking grass and i was weeding and i've been thinking all day about the game and and just where it had left me feeling because it was a feeling unlike after any other grand final and it came to me in the garden when I was down on my hands and knees weeding the garlic patch. And I was like, this is Thanos at the start of <laughs> Avengers Endgame um, when he's won and they're, you know, he, he's, he's just returned to a simple life. That's what I did today. I didn't, there was no, nothing could top what I had yesterday. No sport, no game, no nothing. The re Like it was one of the purest sporting moments of my life and I needed to enjoy it somewhere else that wasn't sport. And that's just my feeling as a fan that it was, it's just feels right now time to put the tools down, the tools of war and bask in the spoils, because that is a victory. The fourth of the 21st century, um, that, just it's going to stand the test of time as one of the great triumphs this whole dynasty is there with the very best the very greatest perhaps the greatest in the history of the game yeah absolutely um then they deserve to put the tools down to relax enjoy this brilliant way to cap off what's been just an immense 
um, great 15 years, another premiership. And I'll say probably wasn't their best one. I know it's most likely just through recent bias, but this one just feels different. This one just feels greater. It feels like we've just, yeah, I think because of all the coverage of the Cats being too old, too slow, or not going back to the draft or recruiting poorly and not doing, not rotating the list enough or getting all these older guys coming in. We just just shot the whole system in the face of going, you don't need to go to draft to be successful, as we've said all year since we started this podcast. You don't need to go to draft. A draft doesn't guarantee you anything. But you can get all this experience in like the Cats have done and you can nearly guarantee good success and a chance at winning a flag. And that's all the Cats have done is they've given us that chance. And now that they've given us a flag, it just feels all that much better. It just feels like vindication at last. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does feel greater. I think. I think there's so many, so many elements that go towards that feeling. Um, as I, as I said to you guys um, privately in, in in the group in the our group chats and stuff, this is this is the first one that feels like it's sort of fully heals the wounds of uh of 2008 that this it this felt like a little bit of a a direct callback to that so you know obviously 2008 wasn't l you know it's that it hasn't it, it we have won you know some the, the the last dance a couple of times since then but it was always in a very different fashion and this one really felt like it just it just finally rectified the the wrong that was done all those those many years ago um, when we when we sort of stumbled at the final hurdle in that year, in the, in the year that felt like it was ours, it was just ours for the taking, and we'd done everything right, and then just couldn't quite do it. And then there's been there's been other years where we've won it, and there's you know there's been there's been naysayers, and there's been you know things beyond our control that have gone in towards us winning it. Um, there's been still ways that the doubters can take it away from us. This one, this one feels like it, it, they, they just can't do that. That one, that can't be done this time that all year, everybody's been talking about how good this season has been, how crazy football is, how good so many of the teams are, you know, you Carlton had a good run at it. Fremantle did better than anyone expected. Collingwood, you know, jumped up and were were the everybody's favorite sons. Demons had every reason to go back to back. They had no logical reason why they, you know, shouldn't shouldn't win it again. Um there's there's so many. And yet through all of that, through a final season that was one of the most intense, closest final seasons there's been, the cats have been the best. The cats have been the best and no one could take it away from us. And I just think that that's, that's really possibly once in a lifetime for us. It's been twice in a lifetime, which is, <laughs> which is, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, but this it's, it's such a rare moment for that to be the case where, as we've said before, if we had have won the, uh, the 2021, if we'd got over the lines against the Tigers, we would have celebrated like, like all get out and we would have taken that and, and reveled in it. But it would have been a it would have been a year just one on the on on grit and by the skin of our teeth where 
where this year was this year was just ours, and no one else has any excuses. I mean, some of the teams had had excuses for sure, you know, um, but not the ones that were there towards the end, not the ones that anyone was sort of seriously thinking was in contention. Um, the ones that were seriously in contention just slowly faded, lilted away in the in the in the face of the dominance that was the cats, and I I just think that that's you know, that speaks to what you're both talking about and what you're talking about specifically, Jake, with this feeling of, uh, of, of, of peace with it, that next year yeah. will be what next year will, will be. And we'll be invested. And I can't wait to, you know, for the highs and lows that, that come, but it feels like we're going forward now without any baggage. We get, yeah. we've put a pin in that, but not, not in a way that says we can't do it again, just in a way that says all those questions have been answered all the wrongs have been righted and, you know, it's a, it's an open door for players to retire if they want to keep going, if they want new players to come in, but there's not the, the monkey, all the monkeys are off the back. All the, all the doubters have been silenced and, and, oh, and the yeah. demons have been put to rest. So it's just, it's just a, yeah, an absolutely overwhelming feeling of contentment, um, which I didn't really expect to feel until the day was here, I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't dealt with all the, the this this being a possibility to feel this way until we're lo- looking back on it with the beauty of hindsight. Absolutely. Yeah, go, John. I was going to say, and to say all the doubters have been silent, Sam, it definitely seems that way. There's, I've rarely seen many other AFL fans saying anything bad about the Cats. It's all just been pretty much praise. And it's good to see. Well, it's interesting how many Collingwood fans have come out and said they should have been there. But even then, about 90% of them are saying, I don't think we would have won, but we would have made it a good game. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty remarkable that they're, yes. that they're even admitting that, that, you know, they're begrudgingly saying at least we would have made it a show. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's good to see, see that, that the stouters have been silenced now. And what can people say? Against the cats, they can't say anything now. It's just gone. It's all, as you said, the monkeys off the back. The cats are the premiers of 2022, one of the best seasons of AFL in a long time, and the cats were just, just dominant. There, there was something to it for me, um, and I'd love to get into talking about the match itself. But I really like feel like in this sort of afterglow moment, it's nice to sort of hear where you lads are at. Um, Cause we sort of had to go our separate ways somewhat rapidly um, last night after the game. Like for me, there was this feeling of finality, like a flourish of a full stop an exclamation mark. Um, you know, th- there was just this, this feeling that there was a journey that had been completed. And I didn't realize how much unresolved shit was on the line for me as a fan and it feels like for this team in this game and you know to me there's a wholeness to it and maybe that's it more so than finality like this dynasty has been made whole with Mm. four with four flags because as you said it always felt like that 2008 was one that we that we had stolen away that that was one that should have been in our cabinet. Yeah. So this, it was this, the ghost ghost in the corner of the room. 
That's yeah. right. It, yeah, exactly. It feels like a lot has been, as I said, I've never felt lighter or more empty in a good way as a sports fan. I, I really, mm. nothing, I wasn't even really interested in watching sport today. This, that, it, it's, it's, it has, um, yeah, put me at peace as a fan in a way that I wasn't expecting. It's just, mm. it's just this empty, good feeling where it's like there's nothing churning away. It's just this peacefulness. Um, yeah. So what about the game itself? If you want to talk about that or, you know, like, I don't know if you've got any other thoughts yeah. from a personal level. It was, I will just say it was really nice to all get together too after the two fucking awful years that everyone's had. And I don't know about you boys, but like I can definitely mark in my own life some fucking shitty stuff that's gone on. Like, you know, um, mm. You know, I've had some surgery and stuff done, nothing major, but, you know, the last one being a skin cancer removal and that sort of thing. And then, I don't know, it's just been a tough couple of years. Like, in addition to COVID, it was really nice to gather with everyone and watch that. Um, I, I don't know about you boys, but that, that was a feeling I had. It definitely made the day that much better to be able to catch up with you guys and celebrate together. Celebrate crazy, wild <clears throat> <laughs> even even early on when the cats were kicking the first goals and we were being told it's early on still, it's early on, calm down. Like, no, no way. Let us enjoy this. We know we've got this in the bag. Let us just be mental, crazy cat fans and just, you know, cheer our guts out and, you know, shed a few tears here and there and just, yeah, it was a, it's definitely one of the up there is one of the greater days in in my life as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that all those things feed into it. I think you're you're right, Jake. That it's you know it, it, this is possibly one of the first times when it really feels like we've moved into the next phase of 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 life as well. That I'm not not saying COVID's done because I don't think COVID's possibly ever going to be done. But it's you know we're we're able to do this kind of stuff in a in a more relaxed way now, and you know take on. Uh, some some risks, you know, risks in that in a in a more assured way. Um, we know a little bit more about how how it works and what's going on, and um, and yeah, it's been a brutal few years with COVID and everything. And then, as you said, you know, we've all had personal stuff. John's John's had hospitalizations with his um, <laughs> gastritis, and um, yeah. you know, Laura and I spent have spent more days in hospital than I would have liked with you know yeah. with with Atlas coming down uh you know finding out atlas had asthma and you know then when they got covid lots of really scary times with the kids in um in emergency rooms and stuff so having them there as well like that that you know that being able to add that to this year that that's their first mm. grand well it's bear's second grand final but he was mm. he was tiny the first one it's atlas's first bear's bear's first that he will actually possibly remember um and just being able to like, yeah, sort of slowly introduce them to what watching a football grand final is like, um, you know, and see them slowly warm up to us all being <laughs> being hectic and, and screaming and shouting. And I think the other point too, like on what John's talking about in terms of us celebrating and just letting ourselves enjoy it, and this might segue us into the game a bit, that's mm. also how the players seemed. Yes, I yeah. haven't. I haven't seen the cats celebrate first quarter goals like that in years. 
Mm. You know, because because in the previous years we've talked about the heaviness, the burden that they've had on them to, you know, to be professional and to 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 make it work. And this year they've had this lightness, but the lightness has still been definitely behind this veneer of professionalism. You know, the song last week, you know, they mm. belted Brisbane in a prelim final and they and they kind of just waltzed the song out and went, all right, let's move on. Even before the game in Joel Selwood's address, he's going, he's already talking about the grand final. He's saying this one's not the big one. That's next week. Like they're so not getting ahead of themselves. And it felt like running out onto the pitch. They they were just going for it. They didn't they didn't care. They knew the the hint of destiny that was about. And I think then the, it just it just never felt like going another way. Like yeah. Never. With all the all the narratives and stories that were emerging on the day, with you know um, Joel running out with with Ablett's Ablett Junior, <laughs> Ablett Junior Junior, um, <laughs> you know the, these kinds of things. It just I did have this sense, and as we've talked about, we didn't want to uh, vocalize it in case we we invited some some bad omens. But yeah. you just had this sense that the Swans just didn't have anything going for them, you know. Obviously yeah. not in the gameplay, but beforehand you just, you know, I had this thought of like, how do the Swans win this? What does this mean? Like, this is going to be the biggest, just what the fuck if the Swans win this game? Because <laughs> there was just nothing. There was just no reason for them to. And when you look with it, just seemed to be even the courage, the coverage couldn't get away from what the cats were playing for all, you know, the stakes and the, the points that the cats were there to prove and the people that they were playing for. Um, it just it just didn't seem like there was any force that was going to stop that. It was like a freight train of destiny. The Swans were just mm. unlucky enough to be the the team that was in the way at the last stop, sort of thing. Like, I agree, and that's in that. I guess in that way, that was maybe the shadow back to the Hawthorne Grand Final when we, you know, a, mm. a large swath of our family got together and it felt like it was a different feeling on that morning. I remember waking up feeling like everything, all logic said the cats should win, but there was something like ugly underneath it, just going, I don't know. Mm. And the uneasiness just grew and grew and grew until obviously the, the game. And this was the opposite. The minute the prelim ended, I, I started to feel quite light myself. Um, and I think all yeah. of us have since said during this week that, Grand final, the way it played out was about how we truly felt it would play out, but none of us wanted to fucking verbalize it on the podcast. It just felt, it just felt. I think like all footy fans can relate time. to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of cats fans, I'm sure, most likely be would have felt the same. But also, going, you can't say it. You don't want to sound like an absolute arrogant ass going. This flag's ours a week out. But I don't know. I just, yeah, it just felt like there was nothing I was going to take this flag away from the cats. They just looked determined mm, from yeah. after that Collingwood win. It was like, there's, that's it. Nothing can stop us now. And yeah. I mean, even, uh, even after maybe go back to the Richmond win. I was going to say, like, I think John was kind of was like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I just don't. Like what kind of, and this is, as we've said many, 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 many times, football's weird, but we may have used so much of our destiny and next, next year we go, 
you know, we don't win a win a game all year. We, <laughs> we get the, but you know, and and we and the point of that though is we could have lost this game, of course. Um, but I would have been shocked. I would have been shocked if we'd been flogged. I would have been shocked if we lost it close. I would have been shocked if we'd lost it by a few kicks. Like by that point, we'd we'd answered all comers and we'd answered them all in different ways. Like I just, what variable game had we not yet pressure tested? We'd we'd put we'd put games to bed when they were there to be put to bed, which was has been a question. We did that against lots of people. We did that against Brisbane in the finals. You know, we we'd we'd prove that we can win finals multiple times over. Now we prove that we can beat the most clutch team with a clutch win. We can we can out clutch the clutch kings. Like so so what were what was Sydney gonna gonna do? You know what I mean? We've we've come we've come from behind this year we've we you know we've we've faulted and then righted the ship in the third quarter and then finished it in the fourth it just it just didn't seem to be you know talking about the string theory and and multiverses <laughs> i i think we win this game 99 out of 100 multiverses do you know what i mean like it just yeah it's like the couldn't, couldn't strange, see a narrative where it goes another way it's a doctor strange moment in um infinity war yes very doing <laughs> a lot of marvel references tonight and they ask him, um, what are you doing? He's going, I've just visited 14 million universes, seeing how this outcome occurs. And it's like, how many times do we lose? That's only once. And it's like, it's, it's hard to imagine the result going any other way. It's just, yeah, it's just, I think it's just everything boiled. As you said, Jake, in, um, I think it was in a, in a tweet or to us, it was just a fist was mm. being made during the season and then hard and during the finals. And then, as we said earlier, the Swans were just in a way for that knockout blow and they had nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think you can go back. I was just looking at that Richmond game um, on the website and, you know, a real turning point probably five minutes, 49 seconds into the final term. Richmond have kicked back-to-back goals early in that game. Um, the Cats having surrendered a 20-point halftime lead. The Tigers outscored the Cats um, in that time. Just doing some quick maths. I think seven goals to one in that stretch across the third quarter and into the fourth. And I felt like that's where the season was sort of teetering as to whether this was going to go differently. Um, and then the cats responded uh, with four of the next five goals. Um, uh, so for, for, yeah, four of the next five to win that game, you know, even when they fall behind to that Rioli goal with only a couple of minutes on the clock and they go down and, and get the clearance and Jack Henry scores. And I think that sort of stuff is where seasons, can change. I just I did want to shout out while I've got it on my mind. We got a message from Foxy, um, which I really liked. Oh, um, and Foxy said, "Well, the Fox says, did you know that the Geelong Football Club theme song lyrics has a second verse?" And I was not aware of this. Believe it or not, are you guys aware of this? There's I think a second... I'm vaguely aware, but I can't remember the words. So it's so stand yeah, up are. and fight. Remember our tradition. Stand up and fight. It's always our ambition throughout the game to fight with all our might because we are the mighty blue and white. 
And when the ball is bounced to the final bell, stand up and fight like hell. And Foxy went on to say, and I wanted to share this, because Foxy waxed poetic. Um, and Foxy's one of our longest listeners, and we bloody appreciate you, mate. He said, they have been Absolutely. fighting for yeah, 10 definitely. years and finally delivered a premiership like a boxer wearing it on the gloves. They've never been knocked out. With each passing season, the negativity from the wider community and critics and each off-season criticizing our list, our game plan, Dangerfield will never be a premiership player, saying we're too old, too slow. Well, it's too good. 2022 premiers, we landed the knockout blow on our critics. Same for Dangerfield, uh, who uh, he said, yeah, should now be premiership player, Patrick Dangerfield. So I thought that was um, well summed up Beautiful. by Foxy. Let's talk about the actual game. Let's Let's talk about the moments in the game chaps how cool was it to see hawkey pull the ball out and and make some shit happen to start us off with those two goals he got out of the well, rock was he finding a straw man a scarecrow because that's what it looked like <laughs> it looked like he had just picked up bale on his farm and tossed it aside while someone else was chucking another bale at him it was it was just that clinical and as the sunday footy show said Everyone knows what Hawkins is going to do in that situation. And yet Hickey was unable to do anything, anything to stop Hawkins. And it was just, I think it was from that moment on, it was when he saw a Sydney player and a Ruckman who is considered as one of the better Ruckman in the game, get tossed aside like a scarecrow and scored against not only once, but twice within what two minutes. Just go shit. Yeah, that's that's impressive by Hawk. That is a just couldn't ask for a better start. I don't think I had him as my first goal kicker. Mm. I think I had him. I would have had him in my top five, but I thought maybe Jeremy Cameron, Dangerfield, possibly Isaac Smith would have got one before him. But tell you what, it's it just felt like there was a as we've said, there might have been a script written. And who else better than to get the first goal than Hawkins? Mm. Maybe Selwood. That would have been <laughs> something magical if Selwood got the first goal. But if you can't have Selwood, why not have Hawkins? Like that was, yeah, spine tingling. He could have had three if he had um, keep that first one a bit better. But I'll tell you what, those first two goals out of the ruck was just vintage Hawkins and just shows how nimble and how important he still is for this club and for this team and, just, you know, age means nothing if you're determined and you set your goals and you're focused and you just mm. don't care. The oh, oldest, you do care, but you don't care about age. The oldest ever list, I believe, according to Sir Swamp Thing on Twitter, yeah. the oldest ever team to run out yeah. in AFL, VFL history. I think on, on average, so I guess that, that brings into... Like, yeah, so it might not be like the the five oldest ever or anything like that, but if you average all the ages out, then it's, yeah, it's the yeah. oldest, the oldest um, fielded side. But I'm on, on the Hawkins point and on the, the age point too, you know, we've talked last year about a passing of the torch, about some young players that need to step up and maybe, you know, la maybe last year was for the old, the old lads and this year would be the year when, when some of the younger guys need to step up and take the reins a bit. Um, through the through this year, we've seen it. 
We've seen Holmes, who of course tragically couldn't play, didn't get his medal. Uh, but we've we've seen Holmes, we've seen Close, Myers, Henry, Sam DeConing, Atkins. You know some of the uh, Stengel. Some of these players really come into their own, and um, we've talked about the the adjusted role of Selwood and Dangerfield and Hawkins being able to be the the elder statesman, just you know chipping away, filling filling in a role turning up and turning out a performance that that guides and lifts up the young guys to to a to a you know a, a position around them um and that's made a really good solid consistent and constantly improving side but this game above all the other games felt a little bit like Selwood Hawkins and Dangerfield going Isaac's okay here. But, and Isaac Smith as well, of course. Yeah, it felt felt like these these guys going. Okay, that was you know, that was lesson one through nine. Mm. This is lesson ten, and we get we we can't we can't we can't carry you through this one. We've got we've just got to show you how this this part's done, and it was just phenomenal. It was just phenomenal to like to be in a position where our good guys are good enough that I don't feel a great sense of dread at impending retirements. Hmm. But to com- to juxtapose that with being at a stage where our old guys are so fucking dominant and so fucking good that when they're, when they're well rested and they've, they've left their run until the perfect point, um, they were just fucking unstoppable. They were just absolutely unstoppable. And it felt like the complete flip of every single other game. This one where, the young guys were filling in a role to prop up and allow <laughs> and allow the the experienced guys to to do most of the the big lifting, um, and so even if none of them retire, I think I think again this is a great little. I don't know if it's a, I don't I don't know whether it's a full stop or exclamation point or what, but it's it's a great little piece of punctuation on some careers at this point to now allow us to go into the next stage. You know, I don't, I don't see a finals performance like that from Selwood again, but that doesn't mean I don't see him being there and being important, but yeah, it fuck. It was, it was, so, it was so good. It was so good to go. We possibly still could have won this on the backs of those young guys. You know, if, if, if Sydney had had more of a sniff and we needed to, those guys were there, but they didn't need to. And they were just able to basically, watch an absolute masterclass from, you know, a handful of the best players to ever play the game. It makes Here, you wonder was... what clubs to act. Well, well, I guess I'll try and stick us more to the grand final, but just as a little broad point, it is interesting to think now what clubs cut their window short by shuffling their veterans out the door too quickly. It's, or, you know, it's, like it's... I, there's some sides down earlier. throughout the years that I, I can think of. As I said earlier this year, or at, in the preseason, and I'm sure we've all said it. What's why do you need? Yeah, why do you need to move on your experience? How is your young draft picks meant to learn the game from other young draft picks? Mm. There's not enough experience there to sh- pass on. We're at the Cats. We've got um, Hawkins. You got Selwood. Dangerfield, Isaac Smith, Cameron as well can be a part of their um, t- 
Tommy Stewart, you know, he's experienced enough and such a good player that I don't think Sam DeConing, Close, Myers, Stengel, um, Parfit, Atkins would be the players they are if it wasn't for these experienced guys showing them how to play the game, passing on their experience and their knowledge of the game. And yeah, it's it's one of those things like why why move on such good players at their peak? Hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like what's what's the point? What are you gaining? You're not gaining anything. You may be gaining this young, super uber talented guy, but how is he meant to learn to play at AFL if you don't have that experience around you? It's like you see it in North Melbourne at the moment. They've got the number one draft pick, meant to be a super talented player, but hasn't been that good at all this year. He didn't even get the Rising Star um, award that everyone thought he was going to get. So you need, and there was no experience for him to learn from. Whereas yeah. you get Sam DeConey becoming one of the best defenders in the league at you know, basically his first year playing on the best full forward, legendary full forward and keeping him to, I'm not sure if he actually played fully on him, but he had a hand in keeping Franklin to five touches and a behind. It's like the experience is more valuable to keep around for longer so your young guys can then become the next level of experience that we'll then pass on. Because otherwise you just go to draft and struggle for years and years and years. Well, well, as you said, John, like older players just know things that younger players don't. They can teach you everything. I loved actually on the, when the players were being presented and stuff um, at it was the one after they'd all, you know, been at the MCG and then they were down at that stage late at night. And Selwood, when he got up, said something about needing to get the kids home or something. It was a bit late, got to get all the, you know, needed to whip through, you know, everyone's got to get the kids home and stuff. And it did make me laugh, but I was thinking... You know, Geelong probably does have a lot more dads and that sort of thing. You know, in, <laughs> I, I said the same thing to Loz, yeah. Yeah, like it I just say, felt how, like a different how, vibe to that after party. How good was I don't it know. to see the players getting to celebrate with their families mm. and just, I don't know, it just, just seemed like the players just had that next level of enjoyment. It was just celebrating with, you know, kids that... Most likely to be able to remember this mm. fantastic day of being on the MCG, mm. celebrating with a dad after just an absolute demolishing of the opposition team. And the Cats spent, what, the most time out of any team in history to, to stay out on the MCG. And that's just something even better that for actually the fans as well. Or... To see. Would... I'm not sure if it's a stat. It's just they're saying it's less than two hours on the ground. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gut feel. Yeah. And I think that's just no, another like... tribute to the fans. You know, stay out there as long as possible because mm. fans deserve deserve this. And so do the players. Embrace it. Soak it all up. Why not? I was thinking too, like about the approach, like going in. Um, I was thinking about Isaac Smith actually before the game. I don't know if I said it to you or if I said it to... Um, the great Oakley human, David Vaughan, uh, when I was Zooming with him before the game, that I said, I'm really glad we've got Isaac Smith because he's done it 
a, you know, a bunch mm. of times. And I feel like, and, and he looked one of the most relaxed in, in the change rooms before the game and leading him out. Um, and, you know, this great presence to come in, in his, you know, his, this next phase, the final phase of his career sort of thing, and be able to help this team navigate this next part of their journey um, sort of thing. And obviously Ben, the Hoops show, you know, picked him, uh, said kicks three or four goals and, and, you know, and he did just that. But like Sambo, I felt early on the way Geelong were hitting the ball and the man at pace and, you know, blocking, for, like it was ferocious. And I, I felt pretty early on, if we play like this, that Sydney's got no hope. Yeah. Yeah, I um yeah, we played like there was no tomorrow because I guess, you know, <laughs> for one for one of the teams in a footballing sense there wasn't. So um yeah, it was it was it was pretty brutal stuff. Not not dissimilar to the to the Brisbane one, but it had a certain extra layer of untetheredness yeah. where we weren't thinking about our, our, about bodies tomorrow or possibly yeah. even suspensions tomorrow. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was pretty brutal. And even when the game was put to rest, you know, we, we basically did a victory lap in the fourth quarter, but it certainly wasn't down to bound to first gear. Like, no. especially, especially, I mean, it was when we were in control and when we were going for it, but when, when the Swans got it back, yeah, there was, there was still a pretty intense effort to chase down tackle block smother like i and i think i think that was one of the biggest things you know a lot of the swans players i don't think they're trying to take anything away from the way that jong played but in their interviews they, they're just saying that they were sort of you know still stunned by how badly they played <laughs> like how how they could they just never fight a shot like they you know they barely even put a put a bullet in the chamber and i think yeah. i think a lot of that was the pressure you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never seen so many smothers from Geelong. I've never seen so many stuck tackles, uh, and I've never seen so many out of bounds on the fools in one quarter. I think he, uh, Sydney kicked it out of bounds on the full about four times in the first quarter, um, just from sheer pressure. And I don't think the the scary thing is that I don't think we were even at our full potential because it was working so well. We never really had to step it up to the next level. I think we we full-on shock and awed them in the first five minutes and yeah to your question about how how i felt about it like yeah i was on i was on an easy street from from a, from about you know the fourth goal like anything could happen and i and i did say this during the breaks i said we know sydney is is going to make a push um and then you know the second quarter they they did and some people felt like that was a trend or Sydney's playing a little bit better. Look at next quarter. But we all sat around and kind of went, I think we just saw it. I think we just saw the worst of it. I think we're <laughs> you know, in a grand final at halftime to kind of go, no, I think we're good. I think that's, I think that's all they're bringing today is um, it's pretty remarkable. And I think it speaks, you know, I don't, I don't take anything away from the cats about that. I think the way the Swans played speaks to our structure, the way we set up, the way we started. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I feel empathy for the Swans because I've been, you know, we've been on the other end of games that you're just not, you're just never going to win. Um, and so that was just one of them. 
we just never gave, gave him a fucking choice, really. Um, no. But but to, speaking to that, it was a different. It was a slightly different feeling in terms of the destiny about it. This didn't feel, say, like being at the other end of like us v Melbourne last year. You remember when when mm. us playing, it just you know one of the frustrating things about those Mel, you know, both the games against Melbourne, that one where everything just went to shit in the <laughs> in the last, you know, one of the one of the frustrating things as 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 a fan is you hear yourself saying these things. And you realize you've got so many excuses. You are oh, the gastro this time, the the bad choices that time, the bad umpiring this time, blah, 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 blah. You know, those games are one one thing. But this was a game where I don't think Sydney have any excuses externally. And was was there some bad calls? Of course, both ways. But you know, sure, if we're gonna look at a couple of holding the balls that should have been shouldn't have been holding the ball, yeah, give Sydney three extra goals. I don't give a, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> whack those on the tally. Like it didn't make any difference. There's no excuse. I don't think I, uh, yeah. and, and from us as well, I don't feel like we will, it was, it was ever going to be in doubt. I don't think there was any amount of, of umpiring calls or, you know, weather conditions or injuries during that game that was going to change it. So, um, Sydney yeah. made the choice very poorly before the game on the Thursday night and they probably one of the, it's going to go down in history as one of the most blatant poor moves in team selection in AFL grand final history, because that, uh, yeah, I think as you said, you said to after the game, Sam, to us, it's just the difference between the cats and the swans. The swans were happy to take a risk on a injured player, but the cats were like, yeah, you've passed all these tests, but you know what? You're still young. We're not going to risk you tearing mm. answering even worse and possibly feeling you've let down the team, let the let yourself down. We're going to have to you know, do the hard thing and not play you and think of the team first. And Swans went, you know what? We need you more than this other young guy who's played nearly every game for us, even though you're under big injury cloud. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it just speaks volumes how vastly different and how vastly more depth there is in the cats. That I was going to say, yeah, I think, I think that it speaks to the depth, but I think it also speaks to the swans, the, the different mentalities. I think that yeah. says that, that says to me, the swans were desperate. Geelong, yeah, Geelong were, were backing in structures and backing in plans and going, well, we, you know, that was a contingency from the cats to go, okay, well, Holmes is, Holmes is injured. That's X, Y, and Z happens now. Whereas from the Swans point, even from the moment he was under a cloud, it seemed like desperately scrabbling to, to field him, to field yeah. the best team they could. Um, and it's just another one, another little tick, another little thing on the sheet of all the reasons why it just seemed like, Geelong, Geelong were in control. It's, I, you know, I, I, as I said, the hint of destiny about it, but I don't want to take it away from the cats by saying it's destiny, you know, fate. It's, it, it, it was entirely up to the cats the way this destiny, went down this whole season. Team built destiny, team just, built fate. It was structure, built Des- destiny, destiny, culture. Could, I was going to say, des- destiny cultivated in a culture. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it was, a, it was destiny of their own making. <laughs> During the finals, you know, we're making this this beautiful cake. Had it out <laughs> in the Brisbane final, just had to ice it. And I tell you what, this cake's going to win every fucking award because they've decorated it perfectly. Everything's just spot on. There's not a, not a blemish in the chocolate or in the other icing, whatever they use, but it's just, you know... When you have to take a bite, it's just bliss. Here's... And I tell you what, those players are enjoying their cake now and they fucking deserve it. Every single one of them. I think we were we you can look at the contrast in years for the cats. Like last year, we were in the Sydney position. In terms of we went into that prelim final having to play players we would never have played under any other circumstance. But we didn't have yeah. the depth to cover well, we would, it. We, now, we, I think like, I think we were desperate for a win last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas this year, this year, like obviously gastro is one thing, but we had guys playing like Gary Rowan. I remember, I'm sure he and Tui had massive bags of ice taped around their legs um, at the end of mm. that prelim final flogging. Like people were not in good shape. We sort of, you know, came home battered and bruised. Whereas this year it all fell into place. It was all, you know, everything went according to the plan. It was all plan. put into place. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that stuff makes, like, such a big difference. This was the stats differentials. The Cats plus 91 disposals, plus 33 inside 50s, plus 20 in the hitouts. Surprisingly, um, Sydney actually lost. Uh, sorry, Sydney won the clearance battle. Um, I'm going to see. There's an interesting stat about that on the website. I want to read out for you if I can find it. Contested possessions. The Cats, 151 to 110, so plus 41 there. Ooh. Swans had about 20 more turnovers. The Cats had 124 marks to 62, 17 to 4 of those inside 50. Um, ta tackles inside 50, the Cats, 19 to 10. The Swans did win the tackle count overall, but that kind of makes sense when you think about um, you know, how it works when you don't have the ball. This is the stat. The stoppage contest was there where this game, uh, sorry, the stoppage contest was where this game was decided. This is off the AFL website. With Geelong losing possession after just one of their 33 clearances, whereas the Swans lost possession on 17 of their 37 clearances. This allowed the Cats to outscore the Swans 65 to 15 from this source which is the largest margin from this source recorded in a grand final ever. So that's pretty, pretty decisive stuff. Um, coming up sort of on an hour, do you boys have any, any sort of specific points or anything? Like, I, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Salwood and that goal. Um, like, I was on the edge of fucking emotion from the moment that he you know, picked up Levi Ablett from Gary and took him out onto the field right through mm. to when he fucking sunk that goal. And, you know, he, you could see he and Hawkey were upset on the field before the final siren. Like, I don't know if he plays again or not. I don't know. If if I was him, I would probably retire because I don't I don't know how you top that as a way to go out um, personally. But what did you yeah. think of Selwood as, like, how was this from your perspective as fans to, to watch him on the stage? If that was just a Selwood game, that was 
as they say, you need um, you need a captain leading from the front, and that is the pinnacle captain's game. That was just pinnacle, like the stuff he did, not just for himself, but for Dangerfield. You know, just shepherd, just hold people off the ball, so Dangerfield had a clear run. That's when he could have easily gone for that ball and gone in Dangerfield's way. You know, this was just him going. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than most accolades this is for a team this is for Geelong and he just led from the front he was you know yeah it's just the perfect captain's game the perfect game from Selwood and as you said if he retires and I mean, it's it's going to be it won't be the same without Selwood there if he does hang up the boots but I tell you what it's, it's it would be a perfect way for him to finish off his career kicking a magnificent goal that yeah, got a tear in the eye, got us all celebrating like absolute maniacs. The crowd was celebrating like maniacs. And I think I think it was the night before, I think when I was going to bed, I was just thinking to myself, I said, I thought if, if, if Selwood kicks a goal, I wonder if the whole team would just mob him <laughs> at that moment. And I think it was just that moment when they all did, it was like, ah, there's a player a captain that means more than anything to these players, this club is just like the pinnacle, the the pillar that the club's built around. And it's hard to imagine what this club would be like without him, without Selwood there, going out every single game, leading from the front, not just on the ground, but off the field and all the things you hear that he does. And it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty special had to see play of his standard play the game for so long and the captain our club for so long and to know that if Selwood plays on like who no one else can be captain while he's captain while he's playing the game I don't think anyone would be game enough in, in any of the board members any of the coaches any of the players would be game enough to dare to even ask him about the captaincy because He's there. He's a captain, no matter what. But yeah, it's if he does retire, it's going to be it's going to be a tough, tough thing to get your head around. Selwood not being there anymore, and yeah, I think I think the fans have sort of slowly been getting themselves ready. But I still, I'm not going to be ready for when Selwood's gone. It's going to be a tough one to get over. But I'm glad that we got to see him win that premiership as a captain. Because it just, it means a lot to, I think, to myself, to you guys, to Holcats fans. It means a lot. And to the club. The same with Cup. To, to the whole fucking town organism that is is Geelong. You know, it's it's a very special club to be so in, intertwined, you know, with the one team. You know, you, you look at, I don't know enough to compare them all, but if you even look at Sydney, you know, one of the, the, I guess, the tough things that Sydney has is, yeah, they're a one-team, well, they're not anymore a one-team town, but mm. they, you know, for a long time were a one-team town in a town that doesn't, it's not a primarily football town. You know, mm. they're in New South Wales. <laughs> like, it's it's a completely different thing to be the one-team town in almost in the heart of Victoria sort of thing. Like, it's, yeah, just down the highway from Melbourne. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, we obviously took the trip down, which we'll talk about more in the other episode, took the trip down to watch the, the women's. Um, and it's such a good feeling being able to, you know, not that we'd ever be shy about wearing our colors, but it's such a good feeling to, to just rock around this town in the middle of the night in football colors and just, just feel like everybody behind every closed door in every car has your back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you just connected to all these people through some, this unseen web. Um, it's yeah, it's, a, it's, it's so bizarre. It's like, you know, and I think the football club is one of the biggest reasons why I still feel at home when I go back to Geelong, I haven't lived there for, you know, 20, 25 years plus mm. at this point. But when I go back there, I, I feel at home and I don't feel at home in any other big, bigger cities it's not the biggest city but there's something about and i think that's i think that's it you you know you get welcomed by the fucking geelong cats flags and you just yeah there's just no doubt in your mind about where you're at and uh and that that if you meet someone there's there's very likely going to be at least one thing you can talk about (laughs) um so that's a bit of a side tangent on on salwood but you know a special club for a, a pretty special town and special setup and i think that that's important because as successful as Geelong has been and how much we always like to spruik the continued success and will dynasty and will continue to be successful rah rah I don't think you want to lose sight of the fact that this is a really fucking special year um and it means a lot even if we win the next seven in a row somehow this this one will mean more than the ones prior and uh, or more than a lot of the ones prior and, and more than the ones coming uh, to a lot of people, uh, including uh, Mr. Selwood. And I think that that's, you know, we've been so professional and honed to a sharp, sharp razor this year. And there was just these moments where the veneer broke down, as we talked about, even in the opening, the, the way we celebrated the opening goals, you were like, wow, that's, that's very liberated for Geelong to be celebrating like the end of a game for a goal. And then there was some, some more moments here and there. And then one of them was the, the Selwood one where it was just, they were just, they were just, just more and more you're breaking down the professional face and seeing the, the beating hearts beneath and the, and the people behind the footballers. Um, and yeah, geez, I, if, if this doesn't, if this year and this game, this final series, everything he's done off the field, the way he conducts himself. If this doesn't put to rest the, you know, him being one of the greatest of all time conversation, then fuck, I don't know what, I don't know what does like. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some, sorry, everybody, but some of the useless fucking jobbers that you've got in the greatest of all time list, just cause they could kick <laughs> 20 goals in, 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 in an uncivilized era with, with the, you know, uh, a, a tiny minuscule amount of the pressure and the, you know, the, the, um, the expect weight of expectation that modern footballers have, let alone modern captains, let alone modern captains of teams from a one team town. Like are, we, are goals really the only way we're going to, we're going to, you know, say, yeah, this guy kicked a heap, uh, like a fuck ton of goals, but we're not going to look at this man has been, the icon for a team, the figurehead for a team and a, and a town and countless people outside of that town's boundaries. And he's, he's carried them all 
He's led them on the field. He's literally bled for them on the field. And he's not only led them on the field, but he's led them off the field in terms of how to conduct themselves, what it, what it means to be a, I mean, a man for sure, but what it means to be a, a person and, how, and, and, you know, mm. I think he stands for so much in terms of integrity and respect um, and a real f- fight, a real strength, but still being very, very much a, a family man and a, and a guy that you, you know, allegations come out about footballers. He's one of the few that if you read something, you'd be genuinely, genuinely fucking disturbed and shocked by. Um, and the, you know, that go, I go back to that article by Megatron about, you know, when she became the captain and how much of his time he took out to, to help her, to guide her, not to, not to, not to, not to belittle and to mansplain, but to, to just be there to support and, you know, um, help her feel at home and teach the young, the young blokes around him, how to interact with this new element, this, the AFLW element coming in, how to, how to embrace that and support that as a, as a new limb of the Geelong football club. Like, fuck, what a, what a, what a, what a dude, what a, what a special bloke to have in our club, leading our club. And yeah, if, if they don't, find some way to if the afl doesn't find some way to rightfully acknowledge him then we'll just have to do it <laughs> the, absolutely the thing that sticks out for me like that is like the truest form of leadership for me is is with Salwood. you can see he's not ever thinking about what it there were moments where he thought about what it meant for him on the field when he kicked that goal and he and he covered oh. his eyes like you'd see, almost burst into tears, and then the the teammates mob. Like that was a mo- one of the few moments where you let you'll see Selwood let himself feel what it is for him. But everything else is, what does my leadership do for other people? How can I bring yeah. other people into the experience? How can I improve the experiences of others? How you know, like it. It's just it's. It's it's beautiful. It really is beautiful, and it was nice to see the AFLW um, team on the field with the players afterwards and having a chat. And Mark Blixarves, I think, was having a chat with Megatron and I think Nina Morrison. And it's just I don't know. You can't say enough about it. The the culture at the club, yeah. the culture, and Joel Selwood has had as much to do with it as anybody since he walked in to the team back in you know, whatever, 2007. And it's going to be truly bizarre whenever, whenever he walks away, because they are, that's the, that to me, that is now the biggest pair of boots to fill in the history of the club. Mm, yeah. uh, Joel Selwood's. I, I don't yeah. think there's bigger. And Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And look, we could go on and on for like two or three hours and maybe we just got to keep revisiting, you know, with another episode. Cause well, I'm I was, thinking, I was going to say, I think we, we definitely need to do, you know, we had to do the Mm. commiserations episode last year, but I definitely think we need to pop in with some, uh, some celebration episodes, some specifics, some, you know, talk highlights, talk MVP of the season, MVP of the finals, um, you know, full, full, um, you know, a little bit of crystal balling, I guess at some point, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but maybe using, off, Even, if we if we if we name some MVPs from this year, maybe naming our tips for most improved next year, that kind of stuff. Definitely, and I think we also would be remiss of us 
not to do a Chris Scott um, mm. oh. centered episode at some point. I, I do just want to list off for you because I've, I've got More. numbers here, Johnny. I've got numbers yep. here. The Chris Scott era. Now, I posted this on Twitter, the Scott era, and I just wanted to do a quick bit of clarification because um, somebody popped in and said, um, the Wells era. I worry when he leaves. Can everyone start talking about Stephen Wells? And all I would say is the re... And, mm. and I'm, yes. I'm more than happy to talk about Wellesy. And I think we will... I, as you said, this is going to be a multi-episode process of breaking down all the angles of this season and the final and this premiership. The flawless victory, um, which to me, 2007 is probably the only one that quite rivals it. But this may be my favorite mm -hmm. of the four I've seen. It's very likely is, but I want to give it a few days and see where I'm at with it. Um, the reason I call it the Scott era and I divide the Scott era and the Bomber Thompson for me is that Wellesley definitely is the kingmaker. You know, like he's brilliant at what he does. But the head coach wears the success or failure of the team more than perhaps anybody else at the club. No one's yeah. saying when the team isn't winning, fire Wellesley. You know, mm. everyone is yeah. either everyone is after Chris Scott and, you know, for their pound of flesh when the Cats aren't playing well. So that's why I feel like Scotty deserves to be honoured uh, in this way, is to just say he's been there 12 years. In the home and away season, they've gone 187 wins, 69 losses, two draws, They've had nine top four finishes in 12 years. Only three years under Chris Scott, they've missed the top four. 11 finals campaigns in those 12 seasons. Three grand final appearances for two premierships. Um, the guy is a fucking star I mean, and like, and he should just revel in this because it's vindication for, for the process. And was this game, I believe, was this game his... 200th win. Oh, something like that. stupid. It was absolutely stupid. It, probably, it could be even more than that. That's... I don't know, but it was, it was outrageous. It was absolutely outrageous. His yeah. his record. So, um, I think he was. I think he was leading loose, especially at the <laughs> post game. Um, it's on the stage, yeah. introducing like the players. That was a great moment. I loved how he yeah. introduced like some of the players. He looked relaxed. He looked, I think, I think that's the whole team. We're just like, it's done. We've mm. worked our asses off all year for this one reason. And I tell you what, it, it just keeps going, getting better and better. The more we talk about it, the more I think about it, it's just every as aspect of the game, of the season, just makes this, the grand final feel that much better. And yeah, it's definitely it's most likely my favorite one because of all, as we said, of all the criticism thrown at the cats at the start of the year of all the players that mm. would, we were told that we should drop of all the players that um, should retire, should have retired at the end of last year. And, you know, the cats were set to fall out of the eight. I, I tell you what, winning the premierships better than shoving the finger at them. It's just going, you know nothing. This is ours now. This is ours. You can't take it. It's ours. What it and we show you, all you morons out there, fucking wrong. 
that you don't need to freak out when you have one bad it was a big loss it was a bad loss but the cats didn't freak out they just said let's tweak let's experiment let's do something radical and oh it just yeah it's just amazing i um liked the words used I can't remember Selwood or Scotty who said it's it's coming back where it belongs. Oats. Uh, I don't think I think I think I think we're doing votes another episode. I think this is going to be All like right. multiple recap episodes. We've got an uh, like, yeah, we might do the flawless victory part two. Don't know about you guys. I just think <laughs> there's, there's there's so many aspects to get into, like because we haven't yeah. even touched on. Well, maybe maybe we do an episode just we... for the votes. Yeah, yeah, like a player performance episode or something like the you know like going through each player's game or something like that. There's there's so much we can do out mm. of this. I want to keep doing. Um, we've actually picked up some new listeners, so I should say before we get out of here. Um, you know, the way this works is we cover both the men's and the women's year round. We do a show every week of the year, at least once a week. More than likely, though, you're getting two, three episodes. Um, so we'll keep going and we'll keep covering the men's off season, the trade period, draft, all of that. So make sure you go and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a five star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Most importantly, though, guys bask in this revel in it flawless victory go cats go cats go cats those are motherfucking cats